welcome to this podcast series on neo-charismatic leadership with author, leadership expert and coach, Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader, Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book, Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. Welcome back. So today we are tackling the same stage, the search for opportunity, but from another role, and that is sensing people's need. How delicate. I think we all understand what sensing people's needs are, but we probably all understand them slightly differently. Uh, Much of this can be through family and community and culture. Um, Sometimes it can be through good or bad experiences at work, but Sensing people's need is um, an essential attribute of a leader. And so we're going to take a look at how you can make sure that your team or your group is working as effectively and in an empowered as possible fashion. Why this role is so important is that it's not just an element of the first role. I mean, it's it's natural to think um, people's opinions are part of business intelligence or data collected um, as you're doing your market research. But here we are giving it a large weight in the neo-charismatic model. Yes, Martin. This phrase was brought to the model since the earlier research of Conger and Kanongo in 1989 in their book, Charismatic Leadership. One would think that the late 80s were not very considered to people as a main player in organization. They were more called human resources, still is. A department was devised to manage them. They were just part of the business. It wasn't about people. It was about achieving the goals of of the business and and the profit. So how did this come around and, and what do they mean by sensing people's needs? Isn't it just enough that we have already done the assessment of the environment and the internal environment includes people? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that um, it, that I've heard a lot of jokes about human resources departments. <laughs> and of course, I've worked with, with many of them, um, good, bad and indifferent. But there is sort of an implied assumption that a human resources department looks after people And in most cases, that's not actually true. The human resources department is there to make sure that all of the employment laws are adhered to, uh, that people have a fair say or a fair shake at things. Um, And, you know, generally speaking, what human resources departments do is, is very, very good. But let's not confuse that with the individual as a human being. Uh, I once heard it said uh, at a major bank that I was working at in New York that uh, and a colleague of mine said this to me. He says, oh, you'll soon learn human resources is there to protect the company from the employees. <laughs> and, I thought, you know, I thought, oh, that's a very interesting take on it, possibly a little you know, jaded. But anyway, uh, an interesting take. But, you know, in some respects it is, but it's also there to protect the employees against, you know, bad influences within the company as well. So it actually plays both ways. But what human resources as a department or even as a group of people cannot do is understand in the moment 
where any given individual in the organization is yeah. feelings-wise. And why is that important to the leader? Well, if you don't have the heart and soul of that individual working on your vision, then you're firing with a cylinder off and you're just not going to get the traction that you were expecting yes. to get. Yeah, correct. And recently, the human resource department is becoming more engaged with coaching, with uh, empathetic listening, with being with the people and their, which is great because I've worked with great human resource individuals who were on the team. They were empathetic before they implement the rules. They try to understand. And that is great to inspire people to follow a leader, to give feedback to the leader, what is working and what is not. We need to create a culture of trust and um, ability to express oneself without fear without being judged. This culture is important because this is how you know that you're doing right as a leader. This is how you know that you're not only gaining profit for the company, but also you are retaining your employees and making them happy. There is a lot of assessments now. Employees will regularly record their motivation, happiness, and satisfaction. But are we taking these numbers into consideration when we are implementing the vision. This is another area. So in new charismatic leadership, everything is said and done by their people are taking into account because they are the carriers of that vision to the client. Yes, my experience of um, using human resource departments is that it gives using them gives me some level of assurance, usually a pretty good level of assurance that we're not breaking any laws that we are hiring fairly, you know, we're not being discriminatory, that, you know, when people have problems that we're listening to them and we're, we're sorting them out. Okay. So that's a fundamental need of any person who works in any group. But what's the difference between that and a leader who has a group of people that are totally engaged in the vision? It is that the leader is constantly listening and observing and watching. And sometimes it's just body language. Sometimes it's the quantity of output. It doesn't matter for each individual. There is something that tells you something's not right here. And as a leader, you have to go in immediately. You can't wait another 11 months for the employee survey results to come back out. You know, you, you could have lost them in, in a fraction of that time. So, you know, those people that are around you directly, you must have your finger on the pulse. You've got to know what's going on with them and, you know, not by prying into their lives. Okay. But just by asking what's wrong and making an environment where they can express their feelings, then you can determine, okay, this, this person will get over this in a couple of days. I'll just, you know, I can be empathetic as opposed to, oh, this one is a much deeper issue and I need to get some help for this individual. Otherwise, they're, they're not going to feel loved and wanted as part of the team. And, you know, they're, they're going to feel alone and they're going to wander away. And I cannot afford to have people in my group that feel that they are alone. It's just a waste of time carrying them through the group. And it's a terrible waste of the of their resource, their brain and their passion. Yes. That brought them to you in the first place. And, and they could turn against you if you lose them without being considerate uh, is not uh, something to, to overlook. 
a leader has to listen and connect with people. This could be a challenging aspect of, of this role. So how do leaders manage sensing people's needs when they are at a strategic level and they cannot afford the time to touch everyone's life and listen and understand. This has been something that I wrote about in the book and also that I'm always curious to explore, first of all, practically with the leaders like yourself and then for a leader that we coach. I, th I think the first thing that the leader needs to recognize is that the, the move away from this concept of the human resources department being the support role uh, is is key. It, it's no longer key for personal motivation. In fact, I could say it's never been the key for personal motivation, has it? Um, <clears throat> so I think what we've got to do is say um, there's somebody or something has to sit at the center of performance of any organization. The bottom line is that's just the people in it. It's just the people, it's only the people, and perhaps it, the organization only really exists because of the people. So what I would do in a small company is make sure, or a small community uh, charity, um, is I make sure that I do know where everybody is um, emotionally and from a work perspective, and that I work with them differently. Now, that means I have a different kind of skill set to when I'm dealing in a big organization. Because now I've got to relate to that individual at their level, which means if I'm at the top, I'm, I'm going to have to work at all of these different levels with people. But it's still essential. I have to do that. Now, the question you're asking is, is so what happens as the organization gets bigger and bigger? How do I maintain that one-on-one -on -one contact with, with the person at the bottom of, of the chain? And the answer is, obviously, you can't. So what you do is you make sure that everybody around you who, of course, have all different kinds of skills and attributes and everything which is necessary. But do they have the same attitude towards people? Do they have the same attitude towards everybody else in the organization? I don't care how clever they are or how many degrees they've got or how many past projects or whatever that they have run. If they can't be empathetic to the people in my organization, I'd rather have somebody less capable who is more willing to go down to the next level and sort out what's happening with the people there. Because in the end, the sum of a lot of people being able to do the same thing and to be sensitive to those individuals is going to get me results far greater than just having 40 of the top experts sitting around me. As we all know, experts never agree anyway. Yes, you're literally saying that the leadership team have to be actually new charismatic. So you have to make your own leaders uh, new charismatic leaders, and they have to make their own leaders new charismatic leaders cascading down to the last person in the last level of this organization. This means you have to set an example of how you do that with them, because you can't do it with everyone. Yet you can always walk the floor and do it with random people and show how it's done. And it just influences people. It motivates them and it inspires them. If you touch one person's life every day, that's 365 people. You come back with an asset. You first get information, direct information. People trust you. They can actually reach to you whenever they see you. 
or they can send you letters or emails and you read them and you respond to them. In organizations where people don't do this, people feel distanced because in reality, they have not walked the floor. It's a delicate balance, Gada, because, um, you know, if you if you create an organization and you're leading it and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, then the model that I was talking about where you have your deputies all learn to be empathetic and then they have their deputies learn to be empathetic is, is ideal. Um, but it, very often you'll actually walk into a situation where it hasn't been like that. So, you know, if, if you're appointed to a new role in a bigger organization, you might come into an organization that has a lot of problems. So you've got to be very careful about the way that you go about um, talking to the frontline staff because you've still got to think you've got to be empathetic to the individuals that are in the middle, which is basically your middle management, right? So what I have seen, um, and I've seen three or four different manifestations of this, I've seen a situation where a CEO will wander around an organization and talk to individuals, basically write down everything that uh, they were told. And then it would immediately call one of their lieutenants in and say, I heard this was happening and, you know, this better not happen again. And, you know, so immediately management started to tighten up because they were like, oh, we can't let any information get through to the boss because we're going to get jumped on. Yeah, right. So yeah, you've got to be empathetic us. to those that are working with you and say, I heard this from one of the staff, you know, are they misinformed? Is you know what's what's the story here? Is there do we have a problem to solve? And then hopefully they'll come back with valid information. You can say, okay, let's so let's solve that problem together and let's fix that for this individual. That way the individual says, okay, they heard me. Yeah. They've solved the problem. And the middle managers haven't come back down on me to say, if you talk to senior management again, we're going to get rid of you. Mm. Right? Which is a terrible threat. Yes. Yep. And when you're trying to provide for your family, oh, you have definitely. to take that seriously because it's your line manager that can terminate your yes. employment, not the guy at the top. Yes. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Martin, this is a very critical issue. Being empathetic does not happen in a day. You have to go through the process. You have to first win your leadership team. You have to train them. You have to make them into new charismatic leaders. And then you start changing things gradually. It takes time. It, sure, yeah. It does. And But what, what I have yeah. seen over, over the years where this kind of environment has been changed successfully is <clears throat> continuing improvement in performance continuing improvement in job satisfaction, but most importantly, continued improvement in the engagement level of each employee in the mission of the business. Yes. So, yes. you know, that's what, that's what a business is after. But yes. similarly, if I'm starting a charity or I'm starting um, a community action group, again, I want to see a continual improvement in the effectiveness of those individuals that are out in the front doing the day-to-day -day work yeah, because they're talking to our clients, customers, beneficiaries, 
whatever. The last point you've mentioned now is exactly where we want to arrive at from this discussion is that every time you engage with people, you are actually feeding into the opportunity that you are going to take for the business. The search for opportunity stage concerned about the decision making, what we are going to present to this organization that will shift, transform their lives. And in order to do that right, it's not enough just to assess the environment. It's also important to sense people's needs in order to come to the third role, which is challenging the status quo, which we will speak about very soon. Martin, thank you very much for being with me here today. We have come to the end. Uh, thank you for being with us and goodbye. Thank you, Gada. Goodbye. Gada and Martin, hope you enjoyed this episode. There is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org. And if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team, you can contact Garda and Martin through the website. We look forward to your participation next week. Until then, goodbye.